0: Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello. Tick here. You, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover
1: your ears, because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but
0: Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now.
1: and welcome to another episode of Canned your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Daugherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, we have two gentlemen from Red Sash Publishing here to talk about their game, Gatewalkers, the world of ritorials. We welcome Jonathan Etzweiler and Trent Raber. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for being here. Hey, happy What's to happening? be here. Thanks. Gonna have a good time today on oh, yeah. our retro roundtable. Well, this is a topic we've talked about before, but it's been a long time, and we uh, have a little bit of a, I guess, different twist. I mean, not not a twist, I should say. We're approaching it having listened to the other one, so we don't repeat ourselves too much. And you got right. a new co-host with us. Yeah. So <laughs> you and are.
2: I were the only ones that were here last time.
1: Yeah, about but it. when you came in <laughs> and sat down, to, you know, started listening to things we talked about in that other episode, all it was of like a bunch we of shit was on my list. <laughs> like, fuck! Fuck!
2: I well, get everyone else's insight on those ones, too, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Trent's here, too, so we've got enough people that I may not even have to get down to yep. my list of shame here. <laughs> so, uh, you yeah. know, that's good. But then after that, we're going to turn our attention over to Jonathan and Trent and talk more about the Red Sash Publishing and their Kickstarter. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. If you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to patreon.com forward slash or you can just go to our website, CanderePodcast.com, where you can, for $5 a month, sign up for our Patreon, get access to our Patreon pod, and for $10 a month, not only do you get access to that show, but you get a whole bunch of other projects, we... Go ahead.
3: I was going to
1: say swag. Well, there's yeah, there is swag. There's shirts. Swag and, eventually. Yeah, there's merchandise you can get through there too. But uh, just the other shows that are coming out. You know, the radio theater stuff mm-hmm. we've been doing. The can there? Uh, or Excuse me. The comic vault. The old segment that was cut from this show now has its own show on our Patreon. All kinds of bullshit for you, to, or not bullshit, <laughs> but good stuff for you to listen <laughs> to over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> give us your money. Give Buy us your our money. shit? <laughs> and uh we are part of the evergreen podcast network now gentlemen that is a uh, very very
3: cool very it's exciting very <laughs> prestigious and we're looking forward to all the uh, amazing things that come along with that so.
1: yeah we've been on a few other networks before but they've been uh, much smaller scale kind of startup things independent things uh, and, you know, they were great experiences. You know, good, bad, happy, sad, an experience, 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 you learn yeah. from it. Yes. And uh, this, this time, uh, we You're, seem to really kind of have a, a much better situation going. We're playing in the big leagues now. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not talking to NBC or anything like that,
2: but <laughs> yeah. we're getting NPR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always goes back to NPR. This yeah. is
3: ASMR with Jack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, did we have anything else before we moved on?
3: No. Well
1: said. <laughs> 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 Let's Thank kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable.
0: Yeah! Do it! Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Oh my god! I killed
3: I'm like
0: Grab! Taste bad.
1: All right, gentlemen, favorite board games in the Retro Roundtable. Trent had to step away just for a few minutes as the uh, theme song was playing, but he will be right back. So uh, until then, who wants to kick it off?
3: Go, Randy. Okay. So as a... Jeremy, go next. (laughs) (laughs) So my favorite game is called Punch Jack in the Nuts.
1: (laughs) I've missed this. Uh, You don't get this over Zoom and Skype, do you?
3: No, you don't. Damn you. (laughs) (laughs) lost his train of thought. Totally lost my train of thought. Okay, so as a young child, I used to play uh, Risk with my dad, which is an uh, an adult-level game, thinking strategy game, Mm -hmm. which I don't know why my dad wanted to play that with me. It was more or less just...
1: Because you were easy to beat, uh, you yeah, were a kid. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> is an adult made him feel like a it, big man. It,
3: it takes forever to set up because basically, what you have to do is it's all the countries, and you have to pick your country I And mean, it's pleasure.
1: like, uh, and it's an adult, like as adult as I would say, like Monopoly is. There's strategic thinking that goes into it a lot it. more so than Monopoly,
3: right. um, but. I just distinctly remember we'd play and I get my ass beat every single time but I literally would Tonto yoder the shit out of him because part of that game you get to choose like a hidden army and I would always put it like in his or right next to his like home base just get as close as I could
2: get him from the inside. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs>
3: literally it would be like you had 10 armies or whatever hidden and uh literally I would just how hey, you like me now bitch and then he just wiped me out. But,
1: I have stories so similar to that, but it's not on a board game. It was on Age of Empires too. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, same kind of thing, just much smaller scale, but where I would, uh, you know, be playing in a room with a few other people and, uh, you know... Make an alliance with somebody Build a huge army within their walls And then switch sides and just fuck them up Made me feel so superior to be a dick Uh, You can play with my dad
2: sometime
3: (laughs) Sorry, that came out gross That came out pretty gross (laughs) I've always been afraid to play I'm not doing
2: anything risky with your father I've always been afraid to play it Maybe because all the pieces were Roman numerals I don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, it was just so Roman Numerous have always been intimidating. Jack, what is IV? There's a globe and a bunch of <laughs> numbers or I's and V's. I don't understand this game.
1: <laughs> I have a... I mean, it's just like territorial conquest, like war and shit, right? I
3: mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You basically roll the dice, and whoever
2: wins, you subtract that many armies. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just... Yeah. I've got a... No reason to be scared. Office... What is it called? Office risk? It's risk, but like office office drama risk or something like that. Where you're, like, receiving, management. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean, support. like, the office, like the TV show. No, it's not. No, it's it's risk, but based in the office, where you're in different departments of the business, and you have to... Really? Yeah, I have
3: to bring it over, but... So what is it, like, bang the secretary on the boss's desk, lose 10 guys, or what?
2: No, you have yeah. so many... <laughs> you're, like, you're, like, the manager of your department, and you have to, like, get other employees from other departments back and forth, and you can, like, swap donuts and... <laughs> staplers and post-its like supplies for your, for your stuff. I like I the, I like yet, the war version fun. better. <laughs> I, think. Right. I don't know. But there's like weird office drama cards where you have to go take care of a different business. and <laughs>
1: The Mabel says card. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we haven't played it yet but I'm, I was super interested in it because it sounds yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, it does sound cool. I never knew such a thing existed. I no, thought you—I totally it. thought you were talking about like how they had like off like MBC's *The Office*, Monopoly, and <laughs> *The Office* <laughs> Twister, I'm Jim. and everything parkour, else. You know. Parkour, parkour. <laughs> Randy gets <me>, Dwight. <laughs> all uh, right. You all gotta right, get it, man. <laughs> right, Jonathan. How about you, sir?
4: Uh, as a kid, I grew up playing Clue. Mm. <laughs>
3: Yes. That's so, a good one. Did you ever play 13 Denon Drive? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, uh, but I I do remember uh, a card. Unfortunately, yeah, it's a card game. and That's uh, lunch money, but that was just recently. <laughs> but no, Clue was something that uh, me and my cousins used to play a lot of. And even though I was small, I used to actually whip their ass. So that was good.
1: <laughs> yeah, Clue is a fun freaking game, and if you play it enough, uh, you get you. I don't know. There's, there's a like he, like Jonathan saying, there's a quick uh, way to win almost every time. You need he,
2: to pay attention to what everyone else is talking about.
1: Well, that and like the just uh, the feat you know, paying very close attention to all the similar and different features between the two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess that's pretty obvious. It's a point of the fucking game. I'm not <laughs> preaching here, but but. Um, yeah, I, I got to the point. I played it enough where I was just looking for anyone to play Clue with me just so I could beat them. Like, <laughs> like choose like who they had in, like, three turns. You know what I mean? Like, gotcha.
4: Yeah, Jeez. that was that. And, um, of course, there was the very old game Life, like the original version of it. I love that game. I don't know if I've yeah. ever
1: played Life. No? Is that so was... that's the one where you, like, get the little pegs in the yeah, car fight for yeah. kids and yeah. shit? Yeah. No, yeah, I,
4: I yeah. never have. I've was...
1: just seen it referenced in pop culture. I've never played it.
4: Yeah, the it's too much real, like but it's too much like real life.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, who needs that <laughs> shit? <laughs> I, I go to games for escapism, not to, to <laughs> play the small peg and car version of what I'm dealing with I on don't the day today. do to get married.
4: <laughs> what do you mean oh, I, have to pay I need to get away from my troubles?
2: Rent. Let's play this game. Oh shit! The game wants me to marry too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just run the stop signs where you have to for the life, the cer- certain certain life's things that you have to get. <laughs> I'm gunning it through this stop sign. No marriage for me. Screw you. Yeah. Well, wow. then all of a sudden you have a kid out of nowhere. Shit. Yes, <laughs> that is real life. So does that, does that, that
1: version of life like have condoms in it, or is I it don't just
3: know. like? <laughs> does that normally happen to you when you run stop signs there, Jack? Like, oh hey. <laughs> I don't know, I've
4: never seen It all depends what you're doing in the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) A lot can happen back there. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to, uh, I'll go next. I'm going to pick something. um, I don't think I mentioned this the first time around. And if I did, it's been a long damn time. Who cares? Who cares? All right, so, and this is kind of a weird pick because I know this is something other of you have played because I made it. (laughs) All right. So, I've loved the fucking Price is Right. Did I tell this? Yeah. Did I? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to tell it again. That's fine. Uh, have you heard this? No. Okay, I've loved the Price is Right since I was a very, very little kid. And I had, like, Wheel of Fortune board game. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, there was something, some other TV Jeopardy. show. Maybe. It, it was another one of the board with the little plastic sliding panels to look at the questions yeah. and shit. You know what I mean? But... Um, I wanted a price is right game. Okay. And I, there wasn't one. And so I, I, I made one. And okay. the way I made it was okay, so for like the big wheel you spin, you know, to see if you land on a dollar, we had this old hamster wheel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> At home that I just marked all around the wheel, uh, you know, different yeah, sure, sure. price points. And then I'd go through a magazine and cut out like a picture of a car. Uh, and then I get out the old Sears magazines, like a picture of a product, you know, all kinds of products, and glue them to cards, and on the back, write in the price of what they, what they, uh, you know, the, the valued price was. Right. And um, it was a fun little game. I was act- actually able to make something of it. But like the centerpiece of it for me was, do you know those suckers that you would get when you were a kid that? They're like the like the crystal like they look like geode suckers. They're on those real Rock long candy? sticks. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And at the end of that stick, there's like a little tiny ball. Yeah. Okay. So I had had one of those. <laughs> Jack knows where I'm going with this. And I had finished the sucker. Okay had just that stick left. And when you take that stick and turn it upside down... Bob Barker's It looks microphone. like fucking Bob Barker's microphone. <laughs> so, so I painted the end of that shit black. Oh, nice. And as we play the game, I would sit there and talk into the shit. <laughs> so, but it's so funny because... Um, I was digging through some stuff. I keep a lot. I'm a nostalgic person, so I keep a lot of stuff. Not that I still have that game, but I uh, found one of the pieces that survived, and it was a little cutout of like a fucking... It was like a 1987 Honda Accord, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But when I had cut it out, it was fairly new, somewhat new, and... I had wrote on the back what I thought because I had no concept of money what I thought something like that was worth. It's like, one thousand two hundred dollars.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but um, have they ever made a Prices Right board game?
2: I don't think so. I don't think
3: I've ever seen one. I'm sure they have like some stupid mobile game for it, but
1: no. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. <clears throat> and they have uh, you know PC game. Mm-hmm. They may even have stuff for the Switch and stuff
2: now. Probably. I don't know, but um it might have been hard just because of the the product aspect of it with prices changing so much and kids probably have no idea what what costs
1: i don't know but uh damn, I would have bought that shit in a hot second. Look,
3: kudos for young Jeremy to go, you know what? Yeah. fucking I'm making my own. It
1: was it was one of the most uh ingenuitive things I'd ever done. <laughs> Who did you play with? My sister and my friends. Oh, did you? Like my our cousins lived right next door, so like they were always over.
2: Where's Jeremy at? He thinks he's Bob Parker. <laughs> <laughs> talking into that fucking sticky. And then the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's calling people
1: for help, calling psychologists and stuff.
2: I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> so,
0: I actually just looked it up online, and there is a vintage 1986 Milton Bradley The Price is Right board game. Oh, is my God. really?
1: It's yeah, available it on
0: eBay for twenty four ninety nine. Holy oh, man.
1: shit. It... I know what I'm getting for Christmas this year from one of you guys. <laughs> I already yeah, know it's right. coming. <laughs> that would have been around the time I was making the fucking thing, too. So,
3: Somebody stole your idea, damn it. No. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, the Price is Right had been around for a long fucking time.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to look that up. Now I'm very curious.
3: All you need is a hamster cage or a hamster wheel. You know what, Jerry, I bet it does not come with a Bob Barker mar- microphone. You
1: know it doesn't. That's why mine was superior. You know it. All right, enough of that pandering
0: shit. All right.
1: <laughs> um, let's move on to Trent. Favorite board game.
0: Okay, so this one's difficult because I played a lot of crazy board games where I was a kid. Um, just like everything underneath the sun, all the old school stuff. But the one that I played probably the most, and to be honest with you, to be perfectly honest, I still to this day have no idea how you correctly play this game. But I don't even know what it's called. Mousetrap. It... <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> Me and my little brother called it Shooters. And it was basically like a, a big wooden board that had four pockets like a pool table. And you had all these little uh, hoops there were rings, they were there was like red ones and green ones, and you had white ones. And him and I used to sit there, and we would we, we would flick the rings, in like the white one, and act like we were playing pool, shooting things into the corner pockets. I probably played <laughs> that thing more than any other thing I've ever played in my entire life. I have no idea that's how you're supposed to play the game. I don't even know what it was originally called, but that's how we played it, and it was a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does sound fun, though. I, I've never, uh, I can't imagine what, the, what was it called? You you guys called it Shooters, but is that, is that what it was really
0: called? I don't think it was. Honestly, I have no idea. It was like one of those things that like my dad bought it, like, you know, some freaking garage sale in like Amish town Millersburg. And like me and my little brother are just like, okay, well, let's play pool with this. You know what I mean? We would That's right. what we would do all day long. Like uh, I used to love that one. That, that was probably my favorite one growing up by far, you know?
1: That reminds me of—I um, mean—that was much more uh, creative than what I'm about to say. But I, I when, and I think you can still get these at uh, some places. The little tabletop pool uh, pool tables, and right. like the the cues are about the size oh, of a pen, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. have a little spring in them. Mm-hmm. And I loved uh, my grandmother had a pool table, but we never got to see her, and so I. Uh, would We had one of those And I would play it Like a crazy amount And i play pool on my phone Like to this day Like I don't know what it is But uh, It's it's hard to imagine That at that age I was able to hold on To those tiny little uh, Billiard balls That came yeah. with that set mm-hmm. Because I always had them together I think it even had a little Like racking Like cues That's like, awesome thing it, With it too It,
4: it did Because I had it? one Yeah Man, yeah, unfortunately, gonna... I used to use the balls for slingshot pellets. So...
3: <laughs> oh, there you go. Sling you you didn't grow up in Jack's house, did you? Because I probably it. swallowed them.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <And> I, <laughs> as a country boy, I, I I used to make you know spears and use them for you know go out in the woods. So. <laughs> oh man, I did the same
1: shit. I was a country kid too, man. Yeah, all the time, BB guns out in the woods. Oh,
0: yeah. uh, hey, my homemade bow and arrow. I did. Hey. I do hey. too, out of bamboo. <laughs> I had John, what's your favorite John, what's your favorite board game? Murdering small animals with a spear. <laughs> <laughs> I I
4: I used to go down to the creek and yes, I used to spear crayfish, frogs, fish, snakes, sometimes a stray turtle. Oh, wow. You know.
1: Yeah, so I, I, you I my skills never caveman. got to that. I was never <laughs> never that good. I was just like <laughs> I got my foot once. Throwing the spear at, (laughs) like, piles of dirt and stuff. I don't know. I was very much trying to do, like, the kind of, like, man versus wild shit when I was a kid in my own woods. I would go back there and just spend the whole day back there, like, building forts and stuff out of twigs and stuff. And I remember one time I had dug a hole, uh, this big hole, and I lined it with a tarp and, like, put, like, sand and mud and uh, stuff in the bottom of it. Okay. This is so crazy This was like up a hill It's so hard to explain But it was up a hill And there was a severe Like a drop off Like four years ago The hill had been dug out And had a drop off To go down uh, To where I could get water In a bucket Okay So I had to put up This pulley system That ran from a tree (laughs) At the bottom of the hill To the top of the hill Because carrying all this water Up to the top of the hill Was a son of a bitch So I'd hook it up Go to the top of the hill And pull this rope And all this water Would come up to me And I filled that thing And made a little pond Okay And then I went down to the river and sat in there with a little net and and caught like minnows and shit and brought them back to put in the pond. And I came back the next day to check on my progress. (laughs) I made a raccoon buffet is all I did. (laughs) The Mosquitoes were never worse that year. (laughs) (laughs) It was a raccoon buffet. Just fish parts and footprints everywhere, man. But... It was fun all the same. All the same. <laughs>
2: all right, Jack, what you got? Mine's a a young person's, I guess, be called role, role-playing role game, tabletop role-playing game called Hero Quest. <laughs> it's not funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> we used to own it. Do you? Yeah. I, I was actually I had like it and all the expansions when I back when I was what 16 when it first came out. Is that because you were
3: eating all the game pieces of the normal games? Or?
2: No, I don't eat all the game pieces.
3: <laughs> when I was a kid,
1: if there was ever a game that had game pieces that looked delicious, it was Hungry Hungry Hippo. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, I'm sorry, continue. But this is it's a you have to play it with at least two players because one person is basically the dungeon master that controls all the uh, what's inside the room because they've got a map of everything. It's basically a light D&D, D&D for game. Kids. Yep. Okay. You just can't do everything that you want to do because the roles really don't work. It's just maybe attack and defense for the role when hmm. you're fighting and stuff. But at the end of the game, once you finish, like you have a whole, there's a whole uh, campaign that comes with the game. And as you get through each one, then you get, you know, find so much gold and stuff. And you can actually go to a store, upgrade your gear and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Hmm. But I found it at a, a toy convention a couple of years ago for like it was a complete set, excellent condition for like one hundred and twenty bucks, which is, I' think is a pretty good deal. and then Hasbro re-released it like the next year <laughs> this past year yeah, oh. they did a huge their Haslab thing where they upgraded everything. but they added like four new characters bunch of extra monsters and stuff. I want to play with you guys. That's maybe you fun. can
1: find a vintage version of it from 1986 on eBay for like 25 bucks. <laughs> I've got
2: that one. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I guess it would, no, it would have been 90s, <laughs> not 86. <yeah. laughs>
4: this one came with smartphone, Jeremy. To
3: toy- <laughs> <laughs> okay, Randy, we're going to play this toys, time okay,
4: forgot. What's that? said you could have went to Toys That Time Forgot and <laughs> maybe found it up there. There you go. Probably. I didn't even... It was
2: just cool because I was walking by the one vendor that was sitting there and I looked and I was like, oh, damn, look at that game. That game was fun. I used to play that all the time. My wife's like, you want it? I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, how much for this? Is it complete? And the guy's like, yeah, there's everything in That <laughs> Dude was like, I've got this motherfucker right yeah, yeah. the throat. <laughs>
1: He wants it, and his wife's yeah. offering to buy it. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw two pigeons walking
2: in the <laughs> Cool, cool, cool game. Cool, cool. Look at these morons coming over here. <laughs> I got these two.
1: Oh, no. I'm sure it was a, uh, a great deal. I mean, I'm sure uh, that game new was probably...
2: I've searched on eBay, and it's a couple bucks for it. as good a condition as mine is. it, it is. The yeah. only thing is expansions are stupid expensive. Which they came with more, you know, a whole other campaign added to the story, more monsters that come with it, mm-hmm. more cards. But yeah, hmm. sweet. Yeah, let's let's do it.
1: My only uh, real reference with tabletop like game like that, like role playing, mm-hmm. is uh, when we did the Age of, the, of, or excuse me, Edge of the Empire Star Wars, the Star Wars for one, the yeah. show. Quick. Quick plug there, that's, Patreon. Yeah. That's something we have on Patreon you can only there. Get it on
2: Patreon,
1: <laughs> yeah, you can only get it on Patreon. But no, I mean, it was fun. It was, um, it's so funny because uh, the first time I played it, you know, people tell you, I don't know, I when I play a game, I'm so used to having restrictions and rules. You know, yeah, you can only do so the many part. things. You can never. Well, at least I was never able to like fully continue opening my mind to like yep. anything I can think of. I can do right now, you know, it doesn't have to be attack or, you know, flee or, you know. uh, Well,
2: I tried to do that. The DM was just like, no, you can't, you can't do that. He wouldn't even let me roll to see if I could do it. He just straight up said, no, you not He can't. had an agenda. I know, I know. <laughs> he had an <laughs> agenda. Is
3: this why you want to play with me, so you could just, like, fuck with me the entire time? No, I know no, you.
2: Because, well, playing you can't Game, do that, Randy. Or Hero Quest, I am the DM. <laughs>
3: uh-huh, yeah. For
1: people who don't know what we're talking about, a uh, long time ago, before Randy, before even Jake was here, uh, Jack and I and a few other gentlemen we know got together and did, like, 15 hours playing uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And we recorded all the sessions, and then we then came home, scripted, scripted it. it, recorded it, added sound effects, music. So it sounds like you're listening to a um, bunch of like horrible actors do a Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah. But it was um, a lot of freaking fun to do. But it's so funny because that DM was so um, meticulous with everything... And then, like, after every move we were doing, like, everybody'd have to stop and make a joke. And after a while, it just was like, dudes, we got to get through this. Like, we don't have to stop and comment on every fucking thing, you know? But by the end of it, I was just over it. And I could, I saw the DM's, uh, like, heart fall into his asshole toward the end there because he was wanting to. I can't even remember what he wanted to do, but he could just see on my face, I was done. Yeah. And so he, he put the shit down, he goes, this happens, this happens, this guy's died, the end.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so fun. But, um, damn, was that tedious.
2: Yeah, it was. You had the most work out of it, having to edit it all.
1: It was the only uh, editing project that brought actual tears to my eyes.
2: <laughs>
0: <sighs>
1: you laugh, but You're I cry still inside. It on did come out
3: really well, though, give yourself some credit. <laughs>
1: Oh my God! I, I I've yet to put anything close to the amount of work I put into that. Like it's <laughs> oh anyway, where are we at here?
3: We squirrelled pretty hard on that
1: one. We're about good halfway in here, so we can just move on. Did you, yeah. Unless anyone had any other picks they wanted to get out on the mm-hmm. table, no. All right. Well, I think that was a uh, fun board game conversation. Boy, that uh, led to a lot of conversation I wasn't expecting. <laughs> and if uh, any listener of this show will know, I, I mean, those are the best roundtables. Oh, yes. Those are the best ones. So, uh, Trent, Jonathan, thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we're going to turn our attention over to uh, Jonathan and Trent now. But before we do that, we have to take a quick commercial break. So we will be right back.
4: Thanks so much for checking it out.
1: And we're back. Hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's so weird.
1: That
4: I know. Quickest commercial in history. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Power of it's, editing. It's great to be on that side of the commercial, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: All
1: right. Uh, Once again, Jonathan Trent, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I was looking at your game online, and it looks really cool, but I think Jack and Randy are probably going to know a little bit more about this stuff, because this stuff is so over my head when it comes to role-playing games. I mean, I've designed the character, like I've said before. Mm -hmm. I get that aspect of it. But this looks like it's... And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, your project, uh, Gatewalkers, uh, The World of Latorial, which is uh, currently running on Kickstarter, it's an
0: expansion for another game, is that correct? No, not not really. Uh, what we did was, is is because of how Pathfinder 2 works, like, Pathfinder 2 has an open game license, which means that you can create content that's playable using their system. Oh, um, nice. You just have to make sure that you adhere to, you know, you don't try to change their rules, which we didn't do. Um, you know, when uh, John and I sat down with our friend Bob and, and started doing this, uh, you know, we... Originally, we were looking to do this kind of as our own. We were going to build our own game system, and then realized what an unbelievable undertaking that was. <laughs> um, and decided, like, okay, let's not build our own our own uh, d twenty system. Instead, let's uh, let's just kind of figure out what we want to do with it. And Pathfinder two came out, and um, you know, when we played Pathfinder two, we really realized, like this was the game system that we had all been waiting on. You know, we're, we're old school gamers. We we all started playing second edition, um, you know, so we like things that are a little more crunchy with a ton of customization. And uh, that's what Pathfinder 2 was. So we started building Wattorial and converting all these things that we had done for our own standalone system to work with Pathfinder 2. So that's kind of what the whole Pathfinder 2 compatible thing means. This is I really a break. Yeah, it's like a brand new world that you can use the Pathfinder rules to play.
1: Well, do you want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about this world and uh, exactly what Gatewalkers is then? I mean, story-wise. Uh, I know you gave an explanation as to how it fits into the context of Pathfinder, but like the story of what you guys are doing here.
0: I will turn that over to John, considering the fact <laughs> that he's the one that's been writing this for 30 years. <laughs> wow, so, 30 I'll let years. Him
4: wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's... It's a, it was a work in progress. It's actually an amalgamation of 30 years of content that I've either dreamt up, and Trent and Robert, our, our other partner, um, I taught these guys how to play. Um, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons since Edition 1. Uh, so over the years, these guys have played games that I've created. Um, They've added to the stories that I've told. um, Characters that I've helped them create. Um, They gave them life, so I tried to build something that I like to play, that I knew that my friends would enjoy. I didn't write this really for the world, as I've told Trent many times. I wrote it for my friends, um, which was an original concept for it. Um, This has been the third iteration of what I've wrote as a world. Um, It's changed, evolved and everything. So together, my two partners and I uh, created this over the years. It's just a a fantasy setting with all the bits and pieces that I've found enjoyable from such books as Conan by Robert E. Howard, R.A. Salvatore's work for um, the Forgotten Realms series. Um, Oh, nice. From TSR, even a little bit of Greyhawk, which was one of the original worlds that TSR had built, Dragonlance, steampunk, and even a little bit of sci-fi that I threw in there that I enjoyed. Wow, a little bit of everything, huh? Hopefully, there's a little bit of something in there that uh, somebody might look at and take an interest in. Um, The races that I've thought up and tried to create were things that I found enjoyable, um, a couple of them I created specifically for these two idiots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, because my friend Bob wanted his bug people. So I reintroduced uh, a race called the Mantadeo, which are Mantidae is a damn praying mantis. So there's those. And Trent, as a joke, had said, I would like to see an intelligent, abominable snowman okay the next day he got the mate now mate is tibetan literally for abominable snowman
0: so it's the worst name ever john
4: yeah Yeah, but yet it became our mascot
1: oh for uh for red sash you mean yes yeah i saw that yes okay Okay, okay. that makes sense all right cool
0: yeah that's a lot that's how several of these these ancestries were born were that i we would be sitting here working on things that john already had built and something would pop in my head like we need intelligent yeti you know why not and then john would show up the next day with an intelligent yeti layout and i'm like are you kidding me i was joking you know or like my feral like the little feral voodoo goblins i was like we should take goblins and make them all feral and they use voodoo magic and he showed up the next day with the goberin (laughs) that's awesome
4: so, unfortunately, one of the races in there, I, I it, people are going to look at it and go, oh, hey, yeah, you're a poser, uh, because I had created Amazons. So, everybody's going to look and go, hey, Wonder Woman. No, I came up with that about 25 years ago.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> I did it before um, it was cool, damn it.
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a few things in there that are staples in a lot of fantasy, like, over the years, they introduced the... Uh, the dragon kin or the half dragons and stuff like that so there are some things that people look at and recognize from either previous stuff they're similar but they're not exactly the same there they are changed in a way to where they are unique to what we've been building so
3: but for somebody that's into that stuff it's it's very accessible
4: yeah, yeah. I think you almost yeah. need something like that just to get make them
2: more comfortable getting into something, right? Right. Yeah. They've never seen before. But, oh, I know this one. Yeah, it's pretty much instead
1: of throwing just one hundred percent foreign, you know, content to yeah. them, expecting them to get on board. Yeah, it's like ease-in factor, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Yeah, that was sense. one of the big things I wanted us to do, and one of the main reasons I, I, I you know, I pushed John kicking and screaming to do this is that. Um, you know like one of the big things that i have a problem with and i don't know how many of you are like hardcore tabletop role players but like one of the big issues i have with uh, any of the modern systems is when you step into them you got like six options for an ancestry and you've got like maybe six or seven options for class and that's it i get tired of playing dwarves all the time i get tired of playing humans all the time and like john had so many of these unique racism, you know, our ancestries created that I was like, that really attracted me to it because I, you know, I don't necessarily always want to just be a human or just be a dwarf or just be an elf. Like, give me something unique, you know, give me a half giant, Mm -hmm. let me play a big, giant centaur or you know or one of our brutes or an intelligent yeti you know what I mean like and (laughs) you know so I I think that's one of the great things about what we put together here is that the options are hugely like they're they're expansive for what you can what you can actually play and do in the world yeah that sounds awesome
2: that's cool cuz usually you you only get like what six or eight different things to pick from but then you're out in the world Running into all these other kind of things, be like, why couldn't
4: it be that?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. right.
4: Well, <laughs> I th- I think starting off we have what eighteen races.
0: Yeah, there's wow. eighteen playable ancestries in this in this version in this uh, first book.
4: And uh, a couple of the things that I went back to doing was, in the late '80s, early '90s, the elves and the dwarves actually had breakdowns in their bloodlines. Uh, you had the Dark Elf, you had the Sylvan, you know, the High, uh, Grey, and a crap ton of other ones. I kind of tried to bring that back, and I renamed some of these um, races after historical races, like the Dwevlar is Nordic for dwarf, okay. and Elfar is the Nordic term for the elves, uh, just like the mantidea is the Latin term for obviously the praying mantis, and so I tried to bring a little bit of stuff in there. Like Gobrin is Japanese for goblin, so. <laughs>
1: so this is, I've just got to ask. Like I know now, as far as creation goes, I know you said, you know, this has been a, an accumulation of ideas from the past, uh, you know, thirty years or so. But, you know, from the time that you guys decided that you wanted to take these ideas, put them together in this way and make a game of it, like, how long does that take? I mean, this seems so detailed and convoluted. Like, I can't imagine uh, the meticulous detail that must go into something like this.
4: Okay, the headache of this is on Trent because every, everything that I have created and or helped create has all been handwritten. They were yeah. all notes that I had and just books, tablets, it's stuff that I've written down and kept there, and then trying to translate my shorthand, so to speak, into this was an undertaking. We've been doing it pretty much for a year and a half nonstop from the time oh. we decided to go into it hardcore, so.
0: yeah. I mean, we've been working on the world on this entire thing for almost three years. Uh, We did take a break in there for a little while when we decided not to go with our own D20 system. But, uh, yeah, the last like year, year and a half, it's been just about every uh, every evening and every weekend. you know, I, I get done with my day job and I turn around and we, I'm, I'm typing. And uh, for for those of you guys that know John, you know, he's uh, his handwriting is akin to like some mix between a drunken baby and a neurosurgeon. <laughs> so, like, like being my kind able of writing. To, to being able to decipher what, what was written in these books was complicated to say the least. <laughs> it's like deciphering runes and glyphs.
4: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> easy, Sanskrit's I, easy. I mean, you know, you're
2: talking to somebody that got fluent,
3: confused
0: well, with Roman numerals here.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I absolutely am fluent in Junklish uh, now, you know what I mean? Like, it's its, its own language, <laughs> it's its own way of writing, I'm completely fluent in it, I can translate it pretty much out of whim now at this point. So.
3: But the, it's so cool that you guys are, are taking such
0: a passion project
3: and bringing it to everybody else. I mean, just the it sounds like the depth of the storytelling ability from this is just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I give all that to John. You know, John, I've, I've been gaming with John for, you know, most of my life, and he's one of the best storytellers I've ever known. And, like, the, the rich history that lives in this world is crazy. Like, I mean, the first probably 50 pages of this book are just nothing but timelines and histories and the story of this war-torn, like, like just slavery-ridden, like, world that has just been just just destroyed time and time again by war and chaos and people like lusting for power and he just lays all that out in such a great way. Like one of the things I really like about this book is whether or not like you're a DM that wants to jump in and, and just write a, a from the ground up campaign and do your own thing with it, this this book lends to that very easily. We we fill in enough details about all the areas and the different ancestries and whatnot that you know you, you can you know how to build something with it, but we didn't lay something so stringent that like you can't create your own thing. But on top of it, like the way this timeline is laid out like you can just decide to jump into and John I don't know what era it is so you have to correct me but you you jump into one of the era eras and play something that happened during the Infernicus Wars or during the Tidal Wars or during like the the, the the great dragon Wars and all that kind of stuff like you can jump into different points of history and play your game in those in those parts which I just think is amazing that's cool huh. That was gonna be my question is it just the book of like
2: lore and stats or is there actually uh, a campaign stuff in there, but that's pretty much answering my question.
4: Uh, like Kenneth said, I, I tried to make a sand sandbox world. Like, the regions, there's 44 different regions um, on the continents that are in the book itself. So, th- there's enough information there, like who rules it and everything else, but I we left it up to those people that jump into it to actually flesh it out. Like will take uh, Stoneworth in the continent of Ebon it's ruled by a guy by the name of Antares do earth which was an old character that I had played I give a level his like alignment his race and what class he is but I give no stats which means the DM if he wants to flush it out a certain way the the stats will you know he has to do that or the players themselves can create hmm. you know that type of Um, the world itself is actually pretty massive once we actually calculated the mileage. (laughs) Um, So the the main continent of Ebon is two of the United States put together. Oh, wow. So so it's a massive, there are cities and stuff, but it's also, um, it's even mentioned within the beginnings of the book that it's still very primal. So there are pockets of civilization but it's not like a modern metropolis or some of the uh, fantasy settings where it's forested, but not very primal, and that, you know there, it's it's almost modernized. So there's a lot of leeway for the, anybody to take it and put a city, you know, somewhere or a town. It's all up to them. There's important places, and that's about it. So it's very much a sandbox world where you can do whatever you want. And you can add to it whatever you want or take away from it. So, you know, if you don't like this city, blow it up. It's all good. You can just create another one.
3: It's so so cool, too, because being able to play, like, a a role-playing game like that versus a traditional board game is you get a completely different experience every time you play it. Um, For somebody like me who didn't really get into it at first and then has played more so now, um, just being able to, you know... Do whatever you want is, and still get the same enjoyment out of it that you would. You know, you can only play Monopoly so many times. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's awesome.
1: I love that line yeah. too that he said. If you don't like the city, blow it up and build a new one. It sounds like Bane.
4: Doesn't it? <laughs> 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 I just well, I mean, uh, you know, you can you know, be a...
1: if you want to be Bane-ish, yeah. yeah. right?
4: Yeah. yeah, you can. Yeah. There's a there, there's a race called the Brutes, uh, which you could play. That that's pretty much your Bane. I will blow yeah. your city. You, you have that religion wrong. that follows it, want. so
2: you're just straight up evil person. <laughs> I don't want to play with
4: well. it. <laughs> well, Ruined Trent, off- <laughs> Trent made an offhand remark um, one day, and since we're in the process of doing a couple of other books, we'll leap ahead a, mm. a few books just in case. But he said sometime, why don't we just blow up Stoneworth then? Well, and it happened. So (laughs) (laughs) I blew it up and may even put it into histories and everything for him. Yes, you're welcome.
3: Damn talking. I, I
0: (laughs) I even killed my own character. You're welcome. Yeah. Wow! Hey, that wasn't my decision. I made that comment, passing, <laughs> just straight passing. Like you know, maybe in the in the next edition, we should blow up Stoneworth, and then John shows up the next day with an entire multiple pages written about how Stoneworth is destroyed. So, you know, that's usually how things go. But yeah, we are crazy enough to be doing a couple more books too. So I, I think I think we're nuts, but we're we're going to go ahead and go for it. But uh, hey, hey. it's it's going to be fun, man. I, th- I think we're going to have five total by the time we're done that we're looking to actually release. So yeah.
1: Well, you guys are passionate about it, and it's mm-hmm. something you love, and that, no matter what you're doing, translates into the project. So, I mean, it's you're not, you know, just trying to make a game for the sake of making a game. You guys know what you want out of a game, and you're making it happen. And you, you know, if you want it, a million other people want it too. Yeah. You know, so um, just looking at your Kickstarter, you know, it's only been up. Uh, looks like it's in its first uh, few days still, and it's doing pretty darn well mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Yeah. So, congrats to you guys.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I mean it's doing all right. You know, hopefully hopefully we get there. We're really hoping we're really hoping we get there at the end of the day. You know, it's uh mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a matter of uh, getting it in front of people, man, getting people to come check it out. I mean, we're doing something that's that's different. And and you know, I, I do feel that in the in the current state of what's going on with, you know, the, the tabletop role playing game community as it exploded over the last, you know, three or four years. Um, you know, with uh, just the release of Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, which whether you like it or not, you know they, they did introduce a lot of new people to, to gaming by simplifying the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the only thing that I, I, I you know we we are I don't want to say this we, we're very niche. Because of the fact that you know we do add some more complexity back into the game that we enjoyed, which allows you to get a lot more custom customizable with your character creation. Um, you know things like giving you know certain ancestries get certain innate abilities, like uh, dark Al- or the dark elf arc, and you know they get a they get a few like innate spells that they can cast. Um, you know the. Uh, the what, give me another one, John. What's oh, like uh, the the Mate have like this ability to kind of blind everybody by you know because they 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 have bright white fur so they can kind of reflect sunlight and blind everybody. So you know we wanted to kind of create something that. You know, whenever we, whenever I was initially started playing this game with John, like our characters were ridiculously powerful. Like, I mean, we were we were Super Saiyans, you know, in, in the <laughs> we're playing in. and and I wanted to bring that back. I wanted to give everybody that opportunity. So, you know, I, I've had uh, some people, you know, take a look at what we've done and they're like, these things seem really strong. But that's kind of what we wanted to do, though. You know, like I, I make I always try to make the comparison to, you know, Pathfinder 2 uses the world Galarian. If a character from Watorial were to show up on Galarian, it would be like Thor showing up on Earth. You know what I mean? Like Thor Watorial's a lot like Asgard. Everybody is much stronger than they would be on Earth, you know? Again, come to earth and take over <laughs> yeah kind of you know that's the thing you know a, a few a few Dwevlar uh, and a couple of the new classes we're creating for the next book that's coming hopefully later this year or beginning of next year um, you know would probably be able to take over Galarian with just like maybe eight of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about all that but I don't know dude you mix a couple of those rune casters and a couple of high old ones and a few battleborn and I think they'd run over Galarian <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'll have it sitting in front of you tomorrow.
4: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> God, that was a mistake
0: me, on my part, you know.
4: <laughs> well, let me work on that Dwarven Strike Force here for you here. <laughs> So our listeners can uh, go over to
1: RedSashPublishing.com to uh, check out you know more about you guys and uh, then get led over to the Kickstarter. And we're going to be also putting links to the Kickstarter on our website and social media and stuff as we uh, promote the episode. And I also found on Twitter that you guys are at redsashpublish. Is there anywhere else people should be checking you out?
0: Uh, yeah, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, and there it's just at Red Sash Publishing as well. Um, we do Facebook and Twitter, and then we, we have the website. Um, we we do most of our updates through the website. Uh, there's a pretty extensive blog there where John and I are constantly releasing just information about the world, deeper histories, um, you know, a, a few, like, kind of teasers of the different monsters and, and ancestries and stuff that we have in Wattorio.
1: Yeah, I, there was something I saw on there i don't even know what it was but it, it it looked like a like a almost like a black widow spider but the abdomen was like a head oh my <laughs> god it was like fucking uh. nightmare fuel
0: yeah, yeah that's, that's uh nightmare that that I, I told john we were playing a pathfinder campaign and i wanted to create i created this story around like this this um, alien tech that was on the planet that kind of started, it, it, once it got released, it started terraforming. So I wanted to create these zombies that were basically covered in spores, like mushrooms and stuff. And the whole thing that they were doing is they released this fungus that actually terraforms the planet for this alien invasion to happen. So I told John I wanted the spore dead, and he came back with spore dead, and I was like, these are really cool. And then we were sitting around talking one night, we made the joke about that everybody makes who plays Dungeons and Dragons, which is, you you know an owl bear that's great but what about a bear owl how terrifying would it be to see a, a flying bear john showed up the next day with like 30 freaking nightmare creatures that were just like the craziest thing in the world and that that is the childer. it is one of my favorites it is absolutely terrifying it is like,
1: I, yeah if this. i saw one of those coming my way i'd be dead before it even got to me like the heart attack stroke i don't know
0: goodbye i'm done yeah
1: I <laughs> just p- pass out
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's basically it, 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 it's body mimics the head of a child and it will build nests and it will hide and it can actually mimic the sound of a crying child oh to God. draw a prey near to it oh my. Okay. There, to it's
1: too close <laughs> it's to bedtime dude Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> my three year old's gonna come running at what me what are you like trying a... to fucking do to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> The picture is bad enough. Now the story with it? (laughs) Holy cow. That's horrifying. (laughs) Oh... Yeah. I got to go back on there now and look at the rest out. of these things. And, <laughs> and I like to encourage our listeners to also, uh, once again, head over to redsashpublishing.com to uh, check out some of these creatures because, holy shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> holy shit. So, and uh, the best of luck to you guys on your Kickstarter. Looks like, again, you're off to a great start. And uh, based on what we're seeing and hearing from you guys, you won't need too much luck. Sounds mm-hmm. like it's going to happen.
0: Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for having us, man. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. This has been a blast of an episode. Yeah. I've, I've needed this. This yeah, has been no, a, this really awesome. fun. So, Jack, what do we have on the website, sir?
2: Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, and click on that Evergreen website at the bottom mm-hmm. of the page to go check out some more Evergreen podcasts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not only our show, but all the other amazing shows the Evergreen Podcast Network has to offer, right? Mm-hmm. And um, another quick shout-out we need to do here really yes, quick. Yes, we do. Is um, <laughs> the computer that Candare <laughs> has been created oh, on. Oh, yes. Uh, when did I get that? It was like 2012, like right before we started Just before the show. before we started, yep. And uh, that you was... not it for s- tax time. Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, it was like what, like a... Just over nine. Yeah, it was like just over a grand max. maxer. Oh freaking expensive Hashtag PC, so yeah, yeah, whatever (laughs) and so this computer held out for How long now we've been doing this was going on our eighth year? Yep
3: almost 400 episodes
1: Uh, well, over 400 episodes. Yeah. I mean, counting all these, all the stuff that didn't oh, get released, right, special yeah. projects, Patreon. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it put some work in. And uh, it finally. Passed away and You know I had sweat Running on down my brow because like I can't afford another fucking grand computer You know and I'm not gonna I'd rather cancel the show than do it on a PC So (laughs) (laughs) So um, Randy reached out to
3: Will what's his last name again? Uh, Will Melton At uh, Retro Hacks
1: Yes and saw what he had around and he had a Computer over there that was a Just a few years newer than my previous one, but it's still older. Uh, but still in much better condition than my <laughs> other one. So um, between the three of us, we were able to put money together to get everything needed here. And my uh, longtime friend, Ryan Donahoe, who was a Mac expert, tore it down to its bolts and reassembled it. And we are up and ticking again. So
2: and It looks amazing. It yes.
1: looks amazing. <laughs> I just wanted to thank everybody, not only in this room, but those, who pe- those people who uh, helped to make this happen. Because I, we were talking about this before the show started. I think... Like I said, the other one was over a grand. I think total, we put like three fifty into this thing, nice. and it's working way better. <laughs> it's working way better. So, uh, again, big thanks to everybody. I didn't mean to uh, get long-winded on that, but I felt they needed thanks.
3: So. Yes, yes.
1: So thanks to those people, and I think that's going to do it uh, for this episode. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Logan. I'm Trent Rayburn. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. Oh, no. Don't run. It'll only make things worse. What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
2: Two people Yes. I don't remember seeing that in the calendar.
1: I mean, if we're getting technical, it wasn't in the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was news to me. I mean, there's a whole nother fucking game show in the calendar that had to go away, but you know, it's right You
3: know, bust bus random balls about one guy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: No, the more the merrier. This has been a Canned Air
0: production.
2: The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War. But half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict the heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.